Good morning, everybody. How you doing? Was that good enough? No. no. I don't know. Was it good enough? No. Okay, so good morning. How are you doing? Let's try that. That, that, was, that was much better. I like that. Um, this morning, we are going to be uh, doing what we have purposed as a regular rotation. After the guys go through a cycle of morning devotions on a particular doctrine or a particular subject... Um, we will take the following Sunday, as soon as that is done, we will take the following Sunday and we will have a panel discussion where you all hear uh, these fine young men. Yep, I said young men. That's, uh, I'm, just, I'm, just, yeah, I'm just placating you. Anyway, so uh, these fine young men's answers on a lot of topics. Today is going to be slightly different. I, I will contribute a little bit to this conversation because it's a fascinating thing and uh, I have a lot of uh, area to grow or a lot of um, need to grow in this area. So, um, so we're going to talk about humility. The reason why we do this is a couple of, uh, you know, it has a couple of uh, reasons or there are a couple of reasons for this. Number one, so that you can hear multiple voices on a particular subject. There is a lot to be said about any subject in the Bible and people hold to different views or different opinions on things. Or, even better yet, sometimes people who hold to the same view just have a different way of explaining it, a unique way of explaining it. And we're all different in our, in our personalities. We're all different in our understanding. And so sometimes we hear something, say Barney says something, say Mark says something, uh, Jacob, whatever, and you hear something and you're like, man, that, that sunk in today. Uh, so it's a really awesome opportunity to just hear multiple voices and hear what God has done in them through uh, their learning of this idea. Second thing that this is all about is so that you guys know who you can run to if you just have a question. You can, you can talk to any of these uh, guys up here and they have great answers. There are plenty of people in this church you can run to, right? This, uh, this church is filled with, I, I'm, I'm very grateful for this and this will this will play fun uh, in a funny way into pride, but um, this church is filled with a lot of people who uh, have grown in their maturity in their faith, and so there's a lot of trusted uh, people in this church, I think, that you could talk to, and they would have good, wise things to say to you, so I think that's important. So I want you guys to know these people. I want you to know what they say, what they think, how they operate, uh, and uh, know that you can trust them, so... Without further ado, we're jumping into humility, and I am going to have so much fun with this. Anyway, okay, so C.S. Lewis famously said that humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Um, the first question that these guys are going to answer uh, is, according to Scripture, what is humility? Well, I know it's on. There we go. There we go. I'd like to start in... Philippians 2.3, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility consider one another more important than yourselves. Humility is this act of putting the needs of others before the needs of your own. And I really like to think of it as like an actual representation of believing that you are not the main character of this story, that this is God's story and we're just a part to play in it. Yeah, that's huge. Keep going, guys. Give me the microphone. <laughs> so I, I go to Romans 12, 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has given, that God has assigned. So humility is the lack of pride. Um, it kind of goes hand in hand with maturity as well. Yeah. Sean brings up a good point in that uh, to know about being humble, you first have to know about being prideful and to understand pride before you'll ever understand what it means to be humble. So it, it starts there, and I think that's, that's, a, great, that's a great point. Mm -hmm. You're up, right? Yeah. So we have an antithesis to humility, which is pride. Part of that is where do you derive your greatest sense of joy, greater sense of identity from? 
Jacob shared something from Philippians earlier, just maybe half a chapter up. Paul is addressing people that are proclaiming Christ, but for selfish reasons. They're wanting to bolster themselves up. And in that, Paul, great example of having pride in the right thing, driving a greater sense of joy from just Christ being proclaimed, he says that even in that, I am just grateful that Christ's name is being proclaimed, even though somebody else is And that's awesome. For this, I chose Matthew chapter 11, verse 19. Come to me, all who are weary and heavily laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I have some experience with uh, teamsters and oxen, and I saw what a young ox does with an older, more mature ox. And to be yoked with Christ is to be taking his lead, to follow him, but also to be disciplined by him as well. And his teaching is humble and gentle. And uh, that's a fantastic thing. We'll, we'll spend a lot of time on this first question, but I think in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, um, humility is it's important. Mm-hmm. It's established as a proper relationship uh, between us and God. It, it's required for a proper relationship between us and God. It's, a, it's required for a proper relationship between us and others. How many of you uh, have ever had a, a very proud friend and you're like, I just don't want to hang around with that guy that much? Right? So if you want continued relationship, it's really hard when people are arrogant. Um, it is also required to have a proper uh, view of yourself. Right? We, we can't do this without a proper view of ourselves. So um, the act of bowing low, this is kind of some things that you guys were talking about. Uh, Philippians, uh, read your passage one more time, Jacob. It's really powerful. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit. But with humility, consider one another more important than yourselves. Yeah. So considering, considering somebody as more important than yourselves is a key part of humility. It doesn't say uh, consider another person as important and yourself as not important. Right? This is, this is important. <laughs> um, uh, so the church tends to go, tends to think, it's back to the C.S. Lewis quote. It tends to think less of ourselves, and we think that that's humility. This is just false humility, which, by the way, is just pride masquerading, right? So if we're walking around talking about how, how wretched and pitiful and awful we are, right, um, unless you actually believe that, which most people don't, right, um, you're just playing a game. You're just trying to garner sympathy or gar- garner people's uh, affections for you. So thinking of another's needs as more important than yourself uh, we'll get to the practical applications of this in a little while because it gets unbelievable. But Mark brings up a really awesome point in that um, Jesus does this by humbling himself as a servant, right? And so we will talk about how Jesus models this. But God himself is going to come down to our level. So we're seeing, uh, we're seeing humility not just in a theoretical sense. We're seeing it in a practical sense, right? So those are all important pieces. Um, uh, humility, I just, I want you guys to have this foundation before we get into all of these other questions, because it's really important. Humility as a state, as a state of being appears in a variety of ways, um, individuals, nations, all of these, uh, things in the scripture, uh, people can be humbled. They can be afflicted by God and be humiliated. Uh, sin can bring about these things. We see it over and over in the scripture, um, the, the ideas of humility, and we'll get, we'll get all this weird ringing working, but uh, it's okay. Um, the, the ideas of humility come in vast, uh, in, um, in many ways in the scriptures. So please don't think because you understand humility in one verse, you've got it figured out through the whole Bible. Does that make sense, right? Just because you got love figured out in a verse doesn't mean you understand it in the whole Bible. Okay, so humility comes as a verb. It, it often means to reduce someone in rank or character or status. A humble person as a noun means a person who is characterized by that lower position, that coming under. 
Uh, humility in the Bible uh, is a verb that means directly to bring oneself low or to humble yourself. That's an important thing. Uh, it's an adjective to mean lower or inferior in station or quality. Right? That's a part of humility as well. Um, it's, it's another adjective that means marked by meekness or modesty. That's a pretty awesome thing. By the way, these are all just a giant group of words that are all kind of familially related for humility. Okay, so you're going to see it. And you're going to go, that doesn't seem like the same Greek word as this. It might not be. It's just a derivation. But there's a lot to be heard and understood about humility. Um, it can be uh, a verb that is to be caused to be unpretentious. How many of you have met pretentious people? How many of you have been pretentious people? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, okay, so, right? And so, so to be humbled would be to cause them to not be that way. Or another verb, to be or become marked by meekness or modesty, uh, not arrogance or pride. And all of those are things that are uh, active upon a person. So to humble them. Uh, I think we all need to understand this, that God... God wants us to be humble people. We'll get into this more in a second. God wants us to be humble people. And if it takes his intervention, he will humble us. Now, I would recommend, and I try to live by this. I'm not that good at it. But I would recommend you humble yourself before he humbles you. <laughs> right? Because, um, well, it hurts. So that's an important thing. John Stott once said that pride is more than the first of the seven deadly sins. It is itself the essence of all sins. So according to the scripture, guys, what is pride? I'll jump, I'll, I'll jump in there. Come on. Uh, pride is something that uh, it kind of, uh, we're not born humble. It's not a natural thing to Speak be for yourself. humble. No. <laughs> Sorry, that was... Oh, I am. <laughs> And by the way, Mark calls you an ox, too. Right, I know, I know, that, I know. So. It happens. But uh, it's not the natural response of man is not humble. It, it, it's, it, it's, just, it's just not. It's something that if, if we don't understand what God expects of us, we can be uh, extremely prideful. And you're not born in a humble state. To, and, and, and we have to really, really delve in, into scripture to understand what that means I've seen humble people who were not who were not Christian and and they were extremely humble but they didn't have a good understanding of what God expects from you from being by being by being humble or not being prideful so that's a that's a great point though but it's not it is not you're not born that way it's not natural response Anybody that has a two- or a three-year-old knows that yeah. they are not born with humility. <laughs> Pride, and Proverbs 8.13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance in the evil way. To equate pride with the evil way, pride and arrogance with the evil way, that gives it context of what pride is, and that is not of God. That is but of Satan, so. So at the root of pride, so at the root of pride we have a desire to want to be like God or we want, we want power. That's what we want. We see that in the garden with Adam and Eve. Um, that's what tempted Eve to eat it, to be like God. Um, we all want power or we want to be perceived as someone who does have power. Um, and we don't want to be perceived as somebody who's dependent upon God because somehow that makes us less than in our natural heads. Just kind of like going off what you're saying. I mean, uh, it's taking the focus off of God and putting it back on us. It's where we start to think of, like I said in the first, about us being this main character, that everything is about us. And it's really not what life is about. Um, scripture is very clear that pride is sin. God rejects the proud and has mercy for the humble is written and quoted around 22 times. There are 100 plus verses about how God, his, his disdain for pride. Um, there are only a few times in the Bible that pride is spoken of in a good way. And one of them that comes to mind is Second Chronicles 
It's verse seven, or chapter 17, verse 6. He took great pride in the ways of the Lord and again removed the high places in the ashram from Judah. So this is, this is a, a pride in the Lord. This is, as like Jake said, it's not taking from God, it's adding to God. So this becomes one of those nuanced moments where the Bible will tell us that God rejects the proud, but we need to understand what pride we're talking about. Back to Ethan's point, if we're usurping the throne, if we're trying to take that position, um, this is the pride that we have a problem with. Uh, this, we're going to get into the misconceptions here in a second, but um, being proud of your kids is, is something that seems okay. Ethan. So there's an obvious implication there in what pride is. Pride in itself isn't evil in itself is what what are you proud of what is your pride in and and how much of it is there different levels of pride (laughs) because you can be kind of proud of something you can be really proud of something um, to the point where that's where you derive your entire sense of identity from i'm kind of proud of these boots they're cool they're red and dark red leather that's neat but um i wouldn't cry i'm proud that you can wear red boots with a blue shirt and pull it off i I can you couldn't do that i cannot do that i'm I'm telling you right now i can't do it barney you you brought up earlier that pride has to do with arrogance too in these things and we're not we're not necessarily born in this humble state but but more of a place of um I, i would even kick back i would say that i don't know that we're born in a place of humility uh, unless we're talking about the humility like in the picture that I've chosen for our title slide, uh, in a humility that is a dependency on another, right? Maybe in that way, but not in a way that says, I prefer you over myself. A child is crying immediately because why? Because they want this thing. But this level of pride or these different, different definitions of pride have a lot more to do with arrogance. And that's that place where you're like, this is the sin. This is the problem area where you're arrogant about a thing, mm-hmm. right? So there, there, there are so many different definitions. If you understand how pride is actually defined, until you get to the one that God has said that is pride, it, you're 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 gonna you're gonna hear a lot of things that may not sound really that bad. It may sound it's like okay, I'm kind of proud of this and proud of that, proud of my kids, proud of Ethan's boots, and uh, but. <laughs> But if you think about what God says, pride is about to God. Yeah, thank you, buddy. What size are they anyway? Pride is seeking anything for yourself above the interests of others or above the worship of God. If you look at it like that, and that's just one sentence, that's just one little piece, there's a lot more to it than that. But if you look at it that way and think that anything that you worship above God or anything that you put even at a level of God, man, you better, you better check your pride on that. Uh, so it, it's, you have to understand God's definition of pride, not necessarily the world's. So this theme that, that you guys have brought up is we've got, um, we've got Satan who uh, rebels against God, and obviously there's, there's something there about I want your position. Okay, whether or not we have a, an express verse for that is, is irrelevant. We, we have this usurpation. And then we have the temptation for Eve, right? And the temptation for Eve is, and for Adam, but the temptation for Eve initially is, you'll be like God. Okay, and then what's amazing is when we connect all of these uh, throughout the whole of Scripture, we go to Jesus, and uh, the devil is tempting Jesus, and he basically says, you know, I'll give you all of this. Right? I'll give you all of this. And he doesn't fall for that. He's like, this is my father's, and my father will give me what he gives me. Right? And, and I'm good with that. The, the humble position is to recognize that uh, child and father position. It is, I know where I am, I know where the father is, and I'm okay in that position. I, I'm okay with holding his hand and walking. This is the great sin about wanting the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, okay? Um, uh, Throw fun things into your head. We have all of these theological debates on uh, when evil is present in the world or when it surfaces or whatever. But you, you do realize that in order to have a tree that has fruit that gives you the knowledge of good and evil, evil has to pre-exist. You get that, right? You can't have the knowledge of evil if it isn't there to have a knowledge of, right? So, so there's this idea, but God wants us to rest in him. God wants us to go to him for that knowledge. This is humility. Humility says, dad, I'll do it your way. Dad, I'll ask you the question. Dad, I'm looking to you. 
Pride says, I don't need my dad. This is, the, this is the prodigal son story. I can make a better king in my own world. You see these stories all throughout the Bible. It's just constant how it works. So, Sean, did you have something to say? Yeah, I was just talking, you were just talking about the father and the son uh, with Mark's verse about the, uh, the yoke is lighter with Jesus. Mm-hmm. It really depends on where you are in your walk with Christ to understand laying down that pride and being humble with Jesus in your life is a much easier road to walk. It's not so difficult when you surrender to Jesus. So I think that's a very powerful scripture to go back to and refer to a lot. You know, you, you, you have to choose that. It's not just something that comes by some kind of weird download from God. You have to choose to be, to be humble and not prideful. God expects us to choose that over what we choose. We, we expect, he expects us to choose his way, not our own way. All of us to be saved had to be humbled first yeah. to come to yeah. Christ. That's also I can also add. I can also add to that that sometimes we're not smart enough to make that choice. That a federal court judge has to say, <laughs> yeah. "You will," yeah. and uh, and I'm so glad for that too. That's the being humble piece, mm-hmm. right, guys? So, okay. So, question number three: What is, according to the scripture, what is God's disposition towards each of these? Pride and humility. I think Proverbs speaks very clear to that. And Proverbs, it says, humility leads to honor. Pride leads to downfall. Pride leads to disgrace. And humility leads to wisdom. So there's a clear contrast. Okay. So God's disposition is he wants us to be wise. And what was the first half Mm -hmm. of that proverb? Read it again, the first Uh, half of that. uh, Proverbs, uh, pride leads to disgrace and humility leads to wisdom. That's Proverbs 11.2. And humility leads to honor, that's 15.33, and pride leads to downfall, 18.12. So, so wisdom and honor is God's disposition towards humility, mm-hmm. which is really awesome. Go for it, guys. Um, Mark stole mine. I had that written first. Okay. Is, uh, but uh, just uh, I'm glad you're proud about here. it. I'm glad you're being very humble here. Just, uh, you're right, though. Humility is this thing that every time it's talked about in Scripture, we see that it's something that is pleasing to God. And where you see pride also just is the total opposite of that. We see it leads to destru- destruction and shame and dishonor. And a lot of times we don't put the actual implications behind that because you see someone in the world today that you say, wow, they're proud. Look at what they've done. And that, that's, that's not where you want to be. So again, that question is, according to the scripture, what is God's disposition towards these? So what does God think about this? God rejects the proud and gives mercy to the humble. Um, I, I spoke about it in, when I did my devotion of Daniel 4.30 at Nebuchadnezzar. The, the king reflected and said, Is this not Babylon the Great, which I myself have built as a royal residence by the might of my power, and for the glory of my majesty. While the word was in the king's mouth, a voice came from heaven saying, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is declared, sovereignty has been removed from you. God does not like pride. Mm-hmm. And he will remove it. So I think pride is a little easier to define in practical terms than humility is because <laughs> it's obvious. God rejects the proud. Self-righteous pride, self-righteous pride, God rejects. Anything that says we don't need God, we don't need dependence on that. Humility, walking that out, what does that look like? Now, that's a little more in-depth, a little, they're both nuanced, but that one's a little more nuanced conversation um, and has much more practical application since that's something we're supposed to actually use and actually employ in our lives versus something we're just supposed to stay away from. Um, So just by nature, that's going to uh, have more conversation around it. Um, We all need to be humble together corporately because, well, it's part of walking in repentance. being humble is the opposite of pride, where you're deriving your greatest sense of identity from. Um, if we're doing that from Christ, then we're constantly pointing everyone to Christ. Everyone around us, we're not pointing to ourselves, we're pointing to Christ. We need that. We need that corporately if we actually want to serve one another and be the church. Um, so that's huge. Then we have a picture, we'll get into all this later, I'm sure, but yeah. um, Christ's example and how he lived and how that affects us. And being humble is huge and walking in repentance. And you cannot be walking in repentance, which is sanctification. Um, that's 
what it means to be a Christian is walking in repentance. It's, it's being sanctified for the rest of your life until we are dead and there's a resurrection. Um, so we cannot do that if we're not humble, if we're not honest with ourselves about where our heart is in something, if we're not honest with ourselves about our sin. And that's, that's being humble with ourselves, with God. And then in turn, we need to be humble with others so we're not pointing our finger at ourselves, but we're pointing our finger at other people. So, again, Sean brings up God gives grace to the humble, but God rejects the proud, right? God gives grace to the humble, but he rejects the proud. And isn't it amazing that while we're still breathing, the warning is there, which is a measure of grace. (laughs) And that measure of grace is even to the proud that says, hey, stop. Stop while you have time. Stop while it's now, because in the end, I am not going to have grace for the arrogant. But as it stands right now, I'm, I'm, I'm welcoming you in if you will humble yourself. I love that, right? So this is it's just fun for interpreting the Bible. Sometimes we need to really weigh what it says and understand how it's saying it. God gives grace to the humble and he rejects the proud. But as far as today goes, he's giving grace even to the proud so that you will humble yourself. Amen? That's really cool. That's a, that, that's a, that's a scary thing when you think about God. If, if there's anything that God will reject, that's, uh, that's a serious matter. God rejects anything that exalts itself above him. I, that's that's kind of how Lucifer got his start, was, was, was that. And so God is going to reject anything that exalts itself above him or tries to, uh, the other thing that pride will cause is it causes you to worship the creation rather than the creator. And, and God is going to reject that as well. And pride causes all of those things. Pride. Now, we're, and we're going to go into some more of these things. Not, not all, there is a, a lighter side to pride. <laughs> okay, so question number four, and this is the fun one. And this is uh, yesterday we had this really good time kind of talking through some of these questions. And Lance came in. Lance, raise your hand, please. That's awesome. I, I, I love that guy, by the way. Um, just super awesome guy. So Lance came in and we're, we're kind of walking through this and Lance just basically jumped into the panel by himself. So it was really awesome. So, um, so if these questions spark something in you, send an email, right? Pick up the phone, call, because this is more than just this conversation. I want this conversation to be this way too. So question number four, what are some common misconceptions about humility and pride? Misconceptions about humility and pride. There's one that um, came to mind for me was taking pleasure in being praised is not pride. C.S. Lewis said this, if you think you're not conceited, it means you're very conceited indeed. (laughs) Taking pleasure in being praised is not pride. The pleasure here does not lie in what you are, but in the fact that you have pleased someone you wanted to please. Don't continue the thought by saying to yourself, What a wonderful person I must be to have done that. You fail miserably when you look down on others so much that you do not care what they think of you. And that that reminded me of the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector where the Pharisee was sitting there beating his chest saying, Lord, look at me, look at all I have done. But the tax collector was justified for saying, Lord, look at me, I am but a sinner. So let's talk about this for just a second. How many of you enjoy being encouraged? How many of you feel like there's not enough encouragement in life, in your life, maybe, in particular, right? Um, It's a bad misconception to believe that somebody encouraging you or giving you praise is automatically pride. It's it's a wonderful thing to hear somebody say, attaboy, attagirl, right? It's a wonderful thing to hear somebody say, you're being a good mom. Right? That's a really cool thing. The challenge is when you take that shift all the way to, I'm the greatest mom ever, <laughs> right? Or I'm the greatest of anything ever. I mean, do you realize by default, this is an arrogant statement. There's no way for you to know that. And what you've done is you've put yourself as judge to determine all of that, right? And so that's where we actually get into pride. But receiving uh, praise, receiving those things. And we're going to talk about receiving praise here in just a second from the Proverbs. But receiving praise is not automatically pride. 
It's what you do with that praise that's going to change it. So again, question number four, what are some common misconceptions about humility and pride? You can't be both. I mean, you could be a humble rock star, but it would take a lot of work. <laughs> it would take a lot of work. <laughs> false humility is still pride. Sure, sure, sure. Um, I, I shared, a, you know, carpenters and, and machinists use a term when you're joining two pieces of, of, of work together. Um, your finger, the human finger can feel differences in materials down to the atomic level. It's, it's incredible. So as a machinist, if you can't see it, it doesn't mean it's not there. You have to feel for it. Um, but if there's two pieces of material that are just a little different, the term is that's, that's a little proud. It needs to be knocked down a little bit. And when we're talking about the church and being humble and equal and on the same plane, we don't want to be sticking up above anybody else. And that's kind of that's a good point to, to, I don't know, just think about when you're trying to puff yourself up. It's, it's not a good place to be. It, puts you, it stick, makes you stick out like a sore thumb. So my dad used to tell this goofy story, because uh, that's what dads do, is tell goofy <laughs> stories. It's not just my dad. But anyway, so he told this story. He said, uh, he said uh, um, they were uh, giving away awards for humility, and they gave him the award for humility, but they took it away when he wore the pen, right? <laughs> right? You can't be proud and humble at the same time, right? It's, it, if you're truly humble, you're probably not going to be walking around proud, just a little higher than everybody going, I'm great, I'm the greatest, I'm, you know, this is not, this is not what happens. So go for it. I was just going to say, I think that we also think that we can't be proud of something. So like, misconception yes, here, yeah. Yeah, uh, that like you can be proud of your children, like we talked about yesterday and what they've done. But it's not because of what you did that you're that you can be proudful. You need okay. to be proud of what God has done through them to them and allowed them to grow. That's awesome. That's, That's awesome. a great point, uh, and it it is something that you should do with children, your kids. I, how this started for me when Nathan asked that. I I there's a lot of people in this church that I have had a lot of dealings with and a lot of awesome things have happened, but I. I said there were three men that came to my mind when I think about people who I am, I, I am proud of them. I'm proud of them. And, and, the, and these men are doing things that nobody, it's kind of behind the scenes. Uh, can I tell them who it is? You can. Okay. You should. Uh, the first one was Mike Van Fleet. Uh, I, I, I see a guy here that his, 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 uh, his enthusiasm for both he and his wife yeah. for Mercy Works, it, it, it's, it's infectious. You can't not help him. <laughs> and then I thought about Lance as well. I, who comes in here and, and comes picking up kids from youth group and say, oh my gosh, the gutters are clogged. I'm going to go and call the gutters. <laughs> That's Lance. He's just that guy. And the other guy that I think about a lot, and he's, he is not going to be happy about he me. He's going to be mad. He is going you. to be mad. But it's Merle. And, and <laughs> <laughs> these are guys that I am proud that they're part of our church. Mm -hmm. I am proud. And I want them to know, I want to encourage them to do, keep doing what they're doing because and there's so many of you guys, I, I, but I want you to know that there is a good side of pride as well, that you can look at someone and say, man, I am honored to be in church with you guys. I'm honored to be a part of something that you're a part of. So the misconception, again, is where we, um, where we believe that pride is just all bad and you can't be proud of certain things. But the tipping point there is that if you are proud of someone or something, we, we talk about pride in our kids, pride in people that we love, pride in our nation, all of these things. The, the challenge comes, the tipping point, is when that switches over to worship of some kind, mm -hmm. right? Where we're so proud of things, we're like, there's, n there's nothing that could, could compare, right? And all of a sudden, it becomes the focus of all of our attention. So that was, that's where we've got to really be careful. Um, what are some other misconceptions of pride and humility? Here's a good one. Being proud of your humility is still pride. <laughs> <laughs> is it? 
I am so humble. Yeah, uh, yeah, because there's been a lot of times that, you know, I thought about that, you know, and I, I'm, it's like you said, I'm very proud of, of, the, of the growth that I've experienced, but that is not because of me. That's because of Jesus and, and all that that entails. But also, too, you know, being proud of your humility is pride. C.S. Lewis wrote this. They pay a penny worth of imaginary humility to him and get out of it a pound's worth of pride towards their fellow man. And that's, you know, people are quite obviously eaten up with pride and they can believe in God and appear to themselves very religious. But Lewis says that they're worshiping an imaginary God. Talk about pride a lot. Um, humility um, in our culture has a lot of definitions, and I think people think of it too synonymously with depression or <laughs> being depressed. Yeah. Um, so that's one misconception. Yeah, that's really good. Um, the uh, The idea of belittling yourself, the idea of of walking around and saying I'm just a worm, guys. At, at some point, this is not pride, or this is not humility. This is just stupid. <laughs> so knock it off right? You should have a right view of yourself, okay? The Bible does tell us we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Is that true? Absolutely. Yes. Does it say that also that we are overcomers? Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. Uh, does, it, does the Bible communicate a previous life where we were unclean? Yes. Does the Bible communicate that God has called us or declared us righteous and therefore clean? Mm-hmm. Yes. The Bible also says, don't you dare call unclean what has been made clean. And it's funny, we walk around going, I'm just a wretch. I'm just a this, I'm just a that. So this is a misconception about humility. I think we also run the other side of this, where we, uh, where we walk around uh, talking about ourselves this way. I'm the beloved of God. God loves me. I'm his favorite child. He's a, I mean, I'm just sweet. He likes to pinch my cheeks, right? God <laughs> loves me. All of this stuff. Here's the issue, though. God can love you deeply. Hear me, please, church. God can love you deeply. He can call you an overcomer. He can declare you clean. He can say that you're righteous. And he can also say, when you sin, repent. You don't get to walk around and just say, I'm loved by God. Therefore, if, if you tell me I have to repent, that's just that's law keeping. God is, gonna, God is treating me poorly. No, 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 no. God loves you deeply. And he, it's the same thing that happens for parents with their kids. How many parents do we have in the room? Come on, how many parents, how many times when your kids smack their sibling, do you actually say, now you need to apologize for that? How many, you guys should do that more often. No wonder your kids are smacking people. Anyway, right, so they you tell your, <laughs> I'll smack your kids. Anyway, so, so you, your kids smack somebody, you say, you need to apologize for that. You know what they've just done? You know what you've just taught them? Repentance. You've taught them to apologize and turn the other direction. You've taught them repentance. God the Father wants to do the same thing for us. He can love you deeply and still say, knock it off. Right? That is not a problem. Uh, here's a big misconception. I want to roll to number five because we're, we're being long-winded, and I think that's my insertion. I'm sorry. Uh, the idea that because you can spot pride in others uh, means that you'll sp- spot it in yourself. This is a misconception. It's really easy to spot sins in other people and very hard to see them in the mirror. Yes? Right? This is why Jesus tells us, make sure, make sure you get the log out of your eye before you worry about the twig in your neighbor's eye. Second misconception is the idea that because you can see humility in others, that you're necessarily a good gauge of humility, (laughs) and therefore you think you've got it figured out. Be careful with this. Be careful with this. We need other people. So it leads to question number five. How do you know that you have humility? It's pretty easy to see that you're proud. How do you know whether or not you have humility? Yeah. Really hard question. How do you know that you have humili- humility? Um, you I just think, know it. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work like that. I think when someone else speaks of the good fruit that you've done, it's, it's a good indication um, that you might be acting humbly. Um, I always go back to, the, to what I read in the beginning of, of Romans 12, 3. You need to soberly judge according to the faith that God has given you. So to know that you're humble, you need to be studying the word of God and 
searching his definitions of humility in your life and, and kind of examining yourself and being really honest with yourself and the choices and the things that you've, you've decided to do or say. So first we have to answer, you know, what is humility? How do I know if I'm humble? Well, first I've got to figure out what humility is. What does it mean to be humble? It means thinking of yourself less, thinking of others more. Um, not thinking of yourself less than, just where are your priorities here? Um, where are you deriving your greater sense of joy from? From Christ? Um, are you worried about others more than yourself? Um, and I mean worried by concerned with for their betterment. But we have that twofold. We have people around us that we can go to, people in the church, they're good gauges. But even beyond that, first and foremost, Barney brought this up. It was his idea when we went through these. Um, being honest with yourself. Being honest with yourself is probably the most important thing because even with other people, you can fake it. We have other people. We've got close friends. I can go to somebody and say, oh, man, how am I doing? With My heart posture could be, well, I think I've been doing really good, and I'm really fishing for a compliment here. I could go to Nathan and be like, hey, how, how am I doing this week? Have I been humble? <laughs> Waiting nope. for him to say, yes, yes, you've been great. I can be fishing for a compliment. You can fake it with other people. Only we and God know the true motives of our hearts. Other people are horrible judges of that. We are with other people too. So we need to consciously make an effort to be honest with ourselves and with God. And that's the only way we can really know. Kind of building off what you and Sean both said, it's this like beautiful three like triangle where you have, you need other people, you need, you want other people to recognize it within you, within the community that you're accountable. You also need to check yourself, but you also need to know what God's word says about humility yeah. so that you can actually have an accurate representation of what you're striving for versus what, uh, you know, last week Barney talked about earthly wisdom versus godly wisdom. And we need to know that we're, what we're focused on is godly humility and not this false humility that is really what the world walks around with. So you guys have, have, have taken a threefold approach. There's the testimony of others. There's an honest self-assessment. And, and then the testimony of others and the honest self-assessment has to have a, um, a curriculum and has to have a teaching, which would be the word of God. So all of that matters. So what do others say according to the word of God? That's how I know if I'm humble. What is my honest self-assessment according to the word of God? Again, everything according to the word of God. I found this one to be very interesting. Humility does not mean that we have to be silent or passive people. Scripture says this, do not let your adornment be merely outward. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. It's in 1 Peter 3. God desires that Christians possess a gentle and quiet spirit. It is of the utmost importance that we are humble and still in our inner man so that we can hear God's spirit speaking to our hearts throughout the day. And the thing is, if you're walking with the Lord and you are working that sanctification, working those areas of your life, through your honesty, you have to honestly admit to yourself, what are those areas that need attention? For me, one of those biggest ones was fear. Had I not been able to humble myself and be still, I would not have heard the Holy Spirit and what he had to say to me and, and give me what I needed at that time. That's awesome. So I'm going to ask these last three questions all in one kind of big question because time is... Uh, very quickly running away. Yes, bonus round here, right? And they do, right? So, so what is a way we see humility modeled in Jesus? How then can we practice humility? And how might we actively reject pride, right? So what it, our model is Jesus. What do we see in him? How might we apply that? And how might we resist pride? I, I want to get down. Yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. People look at Jesus and say, man, there is a, uh, he was humble, he was meek, he was lowly, he was uh, all of those things that the Bible descri describes him as. We talked about him being meek uh, last week and what that word actually means. And if you, if, if you know that, it's not, it's essentially power under control. But being humble doesn't mean that you're 
a doormat or you're a victim or you're, Jesus was not a powerless victim when they were nailing him to the cross. He was a servant. He was a humble servant doing exactly what God was telling him to do. He was not a victim. He chose that. He chose that. That's, to me, that is, that's the best example and say, I, 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 I can't even go there. I can't even get to that point to think, man, I can't. I'm so far, so far from being like Christ that I, it's, it's hard to even put into words. Uh, well, I was just going <laughs> to build off what Barney said. I mean, that, that, that is our best, that him hum, Jesus humbling himself to come and live among us and die for us is the ultimate example of humility. I mean, without that, we're doomed. Yeah, so at every turn, not just at the cross, but Jesus' entire life, even his birth, the very incarnation itself, it's him laying aside privileges, things that he had. He willfully put those aside. He, He still had power. He chose that, like Barney said. And that's, that's humility. Um, it's not being weak. It's, it's choosing something. It's choosing others over yourself. And that's exactly what Christ did. And that's exactly what we're supposed to do, that very essence. And that's part of repentance and, and walking in repentance. It's um, thinking of yourself less. It's, it's recognizing where we are. It's recognizing our dependence on Christ. Um, Jesus modeled that for us when he took his, he did what we need to do because we have to do it. He didn't have to do it, and he did it anyway so that we could, so that we could follow his tracks and do that with sacrificing ourselves. We need to deny our flesh, walk in repentance, and that requires what we talked about earlier, being honest with ourselves, because we can go to someone else all day long. We can go to other people and say, how am I doing? But um, Nathan or Barney or Mark or anybody here telling me I'm doing great or I'm not doing great isn't going to save me. Only be me being honest with Christ will. We need to do both because they're going to help me do that and be honest with Christ, but they're not the end goal. They help me be honest with Christ. Being honest with Christ can help me be honest with them, but that's, that's the main point. They help me be honest with myself and be honest with Christ. They're tools. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I think there are a lot of places in, the, in Scripture where Jesus kind of shows his power through miracles, but one that sticks out to me is in the Garden of Gethsemane when, when he stands up and says, I am he, and it knocks everyone to their feet, off their feet. Um, but then Jesus heals the guard's ear and goes without any fight whatsoever to, to go do what he needs to do. I think it just goes continues on what you guys were saying about Jesus just continually serving the Father and looking to do the Father's will in this. I think one of the greatest examples that that uh, I remember is Jesus walking to Jerusalem, knowing full well what he was facing. He was going to hang on a cross. He was going to die for us. But still, he wasn't thinking about himself. He was still teaching his disciples and his followers as he was walking to his death. I think that's one of the greatest acts of humility. But to lead uh, to follow up on, on what they were saying about uh, repentance and stuff. Pride won't allow God to sit on the throne in your hearts to rule over and redeem our past, present, or future. This will eventually destroy us. Let us humbly repent for our pride and all the times that we have tried to control our own lives in the false belief that we have the power to. In Romans 12:3, it says this, don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by faith God has given us. So practically, we're talking. We want to talk about humility and what actions you can step take to be more humble and uh, step away, walk away from pride. So first thing I think of is just being able to listen to what someone else is actually saying rather than continue to talk, to take the time to listen to someone else, is how can, you, how can you respect someone or put someone else's needs before you if you're always the one doing the talking? And like to walk away from your pride is to 
being willing to admit a mistake mm -hmm. and accept the consequences, but also being willing to ask for help. I mean, you, you can't, nothing will ever get solved if you continually deny choices that you made and not being willing to accept help. And especially like as a man, like it gets, it's like, well, I don't need help. I, come on, I can do this myself. And then you end up in the hospital. Right. <laughs> that's, that's brutal. I don't even know what's happening. Here. Sean. Um, I think we, we need to continuously judge our motives for the end goal. Um, got to cross check what, what I'm doing. Is this, is this to the glory of God or is this to the glory of Sean? Um, it's a continuous active thought process as you're, as you're just living your daily life to put away, to, to practice humility. And then to, to put away pride, it's, it just comes down to honesty. Yeah. You've got to be honest with yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and then a good way to practice it is to seek forgiveness from others. To actually be face-to-face -face with someone and say, hey, I, I did something wrong and I need you to forgive me. That's going to really put you in a place that helps you not want to be prideful anymore because seeking forgiveness is hard. Yeah. I've always loved the line that, um, that the Christian life is a race to the back of the line, right? The Christian life is a race to the back of the line. Um, <clears throat> the reason why we're in this race to the back of the line is because Jesus was the one who modeled it. He came, he condescended, he humbled himself, he took on the, the form of a servant so that we might have life as sons and daughters of the king. Uh, so we see this modeled in Jesus, and then how do we Im, uh, implement humility and uh, beat back pride? Again, implementing humility, we race to the back of the line. We're trying to serve people, amen? We're trying to serve our creator God, that's what our, that is what our aim is. Um, in, in combating pride, though, we have to always remember um, we've got to hold on to the Father's hand, right? Jesus did nothing uh, without the Father's approval. Whatever the Father said, that's what Jesus did. That's what we're supposed to do as well. This is hard, though, guys. This is really hard. So we see Jesus. We see his model. He does everything the Father says. Humility means running to the back, grabbing the towel in the basin, washing people's feet, running to the back of the line. And to negate pride or to beat down pride is to always remember your source. It's always to reach that hand towards the Father. He's the one who's got the, the wisdom you need. He's the one who's got the peace you need. He's the one who's got the life you need. He's the one who's got the support you need, okay? So all of this is part and parcel for this. So I want you guys to give these guys a big hand. Uh, they work really hard at this, so thank you guys.